Alright, well go ahead and take your Bibles today and turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 13. We'll be preaching just two more messages on along with this theme, a time to plant. Of course, next week I'm going to be talking about the incorruptible seed, being born of incorruptible seed by the Word of God. I'm looking forward to that message on salvation. But today I want to talk about, we're going to read the parable of the seed and the sower, a very well-known parable. And then we're going to focus really on the later part of that chapter when Jesus explains the parable of the sower. Jesus often would he would tell them parables. He would tell them stories. And then He would try to teach them lessons through that. And sometimes He would tell them a parable and they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. Have you ever had somebody try to give you an example? Maybe your parents when you were younger, they're getting on to you for something and they try to give you an example and it's like, I don't get it. That doesn't make any sense. And sometimes we're like that. But Jesus explains this parable and exactly what it means. And I think it can really be a help to us because we've been talking about plant or about sowing and about planting. And eventually the goal of that is to reap. But you know what you're going to find out in life is not as every time you sow a seed, it's not always going to produce something. Next week the kids are going to be bringing their plants back that we gave them at the beginning, that, and we're going to see just how far they've gotten. Uh, one of the kids brought, he had one here this morning, Josiah, and his is looking pretty good. His has sprouted into something. Some of my kids, theirs have sprouted. Some of them haven't. Alright? Not, not everything's going to grow. Uh, not everything's going to work. And sometimes people, they get frustrated. They go and they try some of these things. They try good things. And thinking some good things are going to happen, it just doesn't always happen. And I think in this passage here, we kind of it'll help you understand why, and hopefully it won't discourage you from sowing. It'll just motivate you to keep on going and doing as much as you can. But in verse one of Matthew chapter thirteen, it says the same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him. So they went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. I want you all to picture yourself today as the sower, as that farmer. Back in the day, they didn't have all the tractors and things. They'd carry maybe a bag around. They'd put as much seed in there as they could. And that sower, he'd go and he'd grab that seed and go around and he'd plant it. He'd throw around all over the place. And that that's you today. You're that sower. And it says, And he sowed some seeds, and some fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. And some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprang up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was come up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So right here, Jesus, He gives a parable. He gives a story of this sower. And he, he tells them, you know, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He wants them to hear it. When he talk, when the Lord talks about hearing, he's saying, I want you, I don't want you to just be able to tell what I'm saying audibly. I want you to understand what I'm saying. I want, I want this to make sense to you. I want you to understand this. And then he goes on in verse 18, and he makes a statement. He says, hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. Okay, he's not getting ready to tell it again, but what he's telling them is, all right, I want you to understand it now. And he goes back and he explains what each of these things were that he was talking about. And when we see how he explains all these different grounds and what they represent, 
it's very it's a reminder of us of kind of what we're up against and why every time we try something it doesn't always work the way we want to. I wonder how many people in here, everybody that you have ever told about Jesus got saved. Okay. Probably I don't think anybody can raise their hand. If you can raise your hand, uh, you've gotten a hundred percent, well I'd like to talk to you. Maybe you just talk to one person. You got it by you know. Keep going then. But listen, nobody's a hundred. Nobody's a hundred percent on this thing. It sometimes takes a long time, and there's reasons that it can be very difficult. You know, those of us who've received the gift of salvation that we've we've accepted that to us it just seems so simple. I mean, really, why is it so hard for people to understand, and why is it so hard for them to accept the fact that your only way to heaven? Is by trusting in Jesus Christ. I mean, why would why do people want to go by works so much? It's clear when you read the Bible that our works could not get us to heaven. Why do people struggle with the fact that they're a sinner? That ought to be so obvious that we are sinners. That should be clear. Uh, I mean, it ought to be clear that Jesus Christ was that perfect one. He never sinned. Nobody could find any fault in him. Even his enemies, they couldn't find fault in him. They had to make things up. About him, and we see how he died on the cross. We see the miracles he did. We see how he rose again from the dead. And boy, it's just—it may—I mean, maybe you've been there before. When you got saved, you were just so excited about it. You know, many times people when they first get saved, they get all excited and they immediately they want to go tell somebody, and they're thinking, "Man, I'm going to go tell all my family. All my family's going to get saved. I'm going to tell all my friends. All my friends are going to get saved." And then you just go and you start telling people, and they shut you down. And you're just what in the world? What happened? And many times people will get discouraged and they'll quit sowing that seed. They'll quit sowing the Word of God. But I want you to understand today, it's not going to always be easy getting people to come to Christ. It's not always easy. And there are some reasons we're up against some tough, there's some difficult things. There's some difficult places to sow seed. There's some difficult places to plant. And Jesus mentions these and He says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. And then in verse 19, he said, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. You know, sometimes people are just too busy to hear the word. For example, it says the wayside. That wayside, that's like a it's like a war down path. Have you ever been out in the woods before? And if you go out in the woods, a lot of times you'll find, you know, we call them deer trails and things where it's like a narrow part of the ground where it's just dirt. There's nothing growing there. It's wore down and that's where the deer walk all the time because it's a wore down path and nothing grows there in those spots. Uh, there's, there's lots of places like that out in the woods. You know, Back in the day before they had all the paved roads and things, that was very common. You'd see those paths through the woods. You can tell where people walk. Maybe the state park. You'll see those wore down paths where people walk all the time and the ground gets packed down, it gets hard, and nothing can grow there. There's just there's too much going on in that spot. It would take probably it would really take several years probably for the thing to ever stop growing start growing there. Several years of no activity at all. And some people today, in our culture especially, we are just so busy. We're so distracted by so many things. I mean, when when you get saved, I mean that you realize that's the greatest thing that could ever happen to anybody. It's the greatest thing that happened to you. You're thrilled to death. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven, and you want to go tell somebody about it. And you go and you give them 
the message. I mean, you give them the plan of salvation. Maybe you give them a gospel track and they read it. And it's right there in black and white, but they don't get it. It's like they don't understand it. And the truth is, many times, they're just not paying a whole lot of attention to you. I've been there before where you know, you're out witnessing and you try to give somebody the plan of salvation you can just tell they're not hearing a word I'm saying. They don't care. And you know, and we're like, hey, this is about heaven and hell. You need to care, folks. They don't care. They're too busy wanting to get back to their TV show that they're watching. They're too busy caught up maybe in whatever drama is in their life. I mean, people are so consumed by everything these days. Sometimes maybe it's their job. People today sometimes working two, three jobs. They're just busy, 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 busy. They don't, they don't have time to think about that. So like, wait, this is this is about your eternal soul. I'm sorry, I'm too busy. I can't talk about that right now. And it, and it gets frustrating. Well, how could they not want to talk about this? I'm, it's They're on the wayside. The devil's got them distracted by so many things. Their job's taking control. Although like, maybe it's entertainment. They've got too much going on. I can't go to church on Sunday. i got to watch the ball game on Sunday. Sunday's my only day off. I work six days a week. I, it's my, that's it. It's my only day off. I've got to spend it with my family. They've got so much going on in their life. There's no way they can cram church into their schedule. There's no way that that's going to happen. Entertainment's got them distracted. I mean, it's amazing. Even young people, the hours that they spend in front of the television anymore, the hours they spend in front of the computer, I mean, just on Facebook and Twitter, I mean, 24-7 it seems like. I mean, just non-stop. And maybe it's even good things. Sometimes people just get caught up with things in their family. Oh, I got to get my kids to you know to soccer and to baseball and to piano lessons, and they've just got all these things going on. And if you try giving them the gospel, it's, it pretty much falls on deaf ears. And maybe even get them to listen. But the Bible says here in this passage that that wicked one he comes and he catches it away. You know what he's it's saying? He's getting them distracted from it. You've given them the plan of salvation, but it literally has gone in one ear and right out the other. Satan took it away from them. Sometimes you can get them into church. Sometimes you can, you can beg them. They'll they'll come. There might be some next week. They're going to come. They're not saved. They're going to hear the plan of salvation, but they've got so much going on in their life right now. They're not hearing the word I'm saying. They they they're thinking about something else. They're thinking about problems in their life. They're thinking about how they're going to pay their bills. They're thinking about maybe some things that are going on in their job or in their family. So distracted and. They're on the wayside. It's difficult. It's tough. I'm not saying we give up on them. I'm not saying we make excuses. I'm just trying to help you understand as somebody who's trying to sow that some some places are tough and are very difficult. Many many times too, this is something we got to think about. They've heard so many lies, they don't pay attention to the truth. I was I was just talking to someone here the other day. You know, we got to remember every time we go and knock on somebody's door, try to tell them about Christ. They've already been harassed by the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons probably several times. And we come and we say, hey, we want to tell them about Jesus. Well, you know, that's what the Mormons said. That's what the Jehovah's Witnesses said. That's what my charismatic friend that lives like a devil says. I mean, they just, they say all, I mean, they've heard it all. They've heard so many people mention the name of Jesus. I really wish some of these other religions would just come up with a new name. Because it's, it's hard. You know, back when Jesus, uh, or his and his disciples were going around and preaching the gospel. They were telling people about Jesus for the first time. They never heard about Jesus before. They and so they were able to go and 
tell the truth about it where now, even when we go to other countries, I mean, all the other cults have already been there. And they've already run the name of Jesus Christ through the gutter. And it, so it's hard. They've heard so much other things. They've watched the TV preachers. They've seen, they, you know, Benny Hinn blew in their face and it didn't help them out. They've had all, they've seen all that stuff. And it's kind of how we are sometimes with salespeople. You know, there are some, sometimes some good deals out there that would help you. But you know what? Somebody calls you up. Not interested. Hang up. I, I, I've told you before, when I first got married, I wasn't going to be like that. I was going to be nice. I was going to talk to those people. But they kept ripping me off. I kept getting taken every time. And finally, I said, forget it. <laughs> Hang up on them. And boy, they, they just, they call and they'll just talk and talk and talk. And you don't even pay attention. Sometimes people are polite and they'll even listen. They'll let them give their whole thing. And then after they give their whole thing, they'll say, sorry, I'm not interested. If you ask me, that's more cruel. <laughs> because it's, you know, make them say everything and they're not, not interested. But that's how people are with us sometimes. You know why? Because that path that they're on, it's just been wore down. The Jehovah's Witnesses have been there. The Mormons have been there. All the cults have been there. They've heard it all. And it's going to be very difficult for any seed to grow there. And it's just a part of life. The devil comes and he snatches it away. He gets them distracted by something else. I remember one time there was a family there. Kids used to come on our bus route back there at Lighthouse. and I mean, just sweet kids. Really cared about this family. Wanted to see this family get into church. And they, I remember I was, we were always inviting them to church. Always trying to get them to come to church. And I remember one day he comes to me and he's like, Hey, he's like, I got good news for us. He's like, we're going to start coming. It was like, taking your advice. We're going to start going to church. I'm like, well, all right. We're excited. You know, that's great. That's wonderful. We'll, we'll, we'll be looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Oh, I'm not going to go to that church, your church. We're going, and he, he named some other church. It was not a very good church. <laughs> it's like, that wasn't my advice. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't what I was talking about. But you know, in his mind, it was all the same. Hey, church is a church. And uh, it's, it's sad because it, it, it is very difficult. A lot of times it just isn't going to take. We're, we're competing with a, lot, with a lot out there. And we need to understand that. We need to uh, definitely have compassion for those folks on the wayside, but just keep some. And then also, there's those in the stony places. Verse 20 said, But he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth, because of the word, by and by he is offended. So right here we see the, uh, those. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I skipped those in the stony places. That's what I meant. Those in the stony places, not the thorns. Those in the stony places, and this is one that is very common. There are some people that will just try anything. I mean, you come. Hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Sure. Do you want to go to heaven? You want Jesus Christ to be your savior? Yeah. Who doesn't want to go to heaven? I'll do that. And they they don't really put any thought in it. And they, I mean, they'll they'll pray a prayer just like that, and they'll feel good. And they'll come to church for a little while and be all excited, but a month later, they're long gone. In fact, after they're gone that month later, they're probably less likely to ever go to church again. Those on the stony places, they'll try, they'll try anything. Some people, their life, maybe it's just a wreck. And they think, hey, it can't be any worse. But we understand when we talk about receiving Christ as our Savior, you have to believe in your heart. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. I mean, it was with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, 
And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Turn to the book of John, chapter 2. John, chapter 2. I want to read a couple of verses to you. But some, they will try anything. Uh, one group of people that can be very difficult to witness to, are, and it's very difficult for missionaries, in India. In India, they have thousands of gods. And they literally, the way they talk about it, it's like they like to have several gods kind of on their shelf. And if you go to them and tell them about Jesus, yeah, they'll accept them. That's kind of one more God they can put on their shelf. It's one more person they can complain. I remember my cousin was joking around me one time. We went, uh, we were in Arkansas and we went to this Baptist hospital. I'm like, oh, that's cool. We don't have any Baptist hospitals around us. They're all Catholic. And, uh, and I said, I was actually born in a Methodist hospital. And he was like, oh, that's good. He's like, you know, my, or my uncle was like, yeah, they probably sprinkled you. Uh, when you were a baby, and then my cousin's like, "Hey, he's like, hey, that's not a bad idea. That way, if your way doesn't work, maybe theirs will." And and some people will do that. They'll go get sprinkled by the Methodists. They'll go get baptized by the Baptists. They'll go speak in tongues with the Pentecostals. I mean, they'll do it all, but they're just trying a little bit of everything, not ever truly believing and accepting in the one, and that's Jesus Christ. Thou shalt have no other gods. Before me, I mean, it's it's absolutely necessary that it's Christ first. It's not about religion, but in John chapter two, verse twenty four, verse twenty three, it says, "Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all men, and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew." What was in man? Jesus Christ, He comes and He's doing all these miracles and all these people are seeing it thinking, wow, look what this guy's doing. I believe in this guy. But Jesus knew what was in their heart. They didn't really believe in Him. Maybe they, I don't know, the Bible doesn't say, it says nobody needed to testify for man because Jesus was God. He could see what was in their heart. He knew what was going on in there. But I imagine maybe they, he, Jesus understood these people, they believe in my miracles, but they don't necessarily believe in me as the Messiah. They don't necessarily believe in me as a Savior. Maybe these people didn't think that they were sinners. Maybe these people, I don't know what exactly was going on, but Jesus knew what was in their hearts and they didn't really believe in Him like they were supposed to. And Jesus didn't commit Himself to them. And there are many people in stony places that will try anything. They'll come to church, they'll get excited, they'll get involved, but it's not long and they are long gone. Some people, they just have a history of quitting everything. Everything they've ever tried, they quit. I mean, everything they've ever done, it's only lasted for a little while. They've never been long term on one thing in their life. And it's just, it's kind of their nature. It's who they are. And the only, and listen, that can be changed. Jesus Christ can change that. But until they really accept Him, until they really believe Him in their hearts, they are not going. Uh, they're not going to get saved. They've got to believe on Him, and He'll give them the ability to, to keep on going. But many they don't. And the truth is, they never really got saved. They got excited, but that was about it. Many think that getting saved. Many times, people think that getting saved means all their problems will be solved. That's why they, hey, alright, hey, you know, their life is a wreck. My life's a wreck. My life stinks. I want my life to be better. I'll accept Jesus Christ if He'll make my life better. Listen, that's not why we get saved. We get saved because we're sinners and we're just, we're throwing ourselves at the mercy of God. And if you do get saved and you follow His will, 
I believe your life will get better, but there's still going to be some problems in your life. You're still going to have difficulties. Did you know Christian people, they get sick just like lost people. Christian people, they have bad things happen to them. They get in car wrecks. They have... I mean, they, they get diseases and things just like lost people do. Not everything is going to go smooth because you're a Christian. In fact, sometimes we have problems that other people don't. For example, in this passage, it's set on, I'm in, still in John, but back in Matthew chapter 13, it makes a statement. I'm not going to quote it right, so I want to read it. But it says, But dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. That person, they come in. I've seen folks like this. I knew a fellow. He was from he was from this area, and he but he worked all the way in Spring Valley. And I remember he he was all excited. He told me came one day. This this guy was rotten, man. I mean, he 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 scared me a little bit. He was he was pretty creepy. But he came to me one day and said he had gotten saved. And listen, I believe he got saved. I'm not saying all these people in the stony ground don't truly get saved. Only only God can know that. But I remember he was all excited about it. And I remember seeing a change in this guy. But boy, there were some other people there that saw a change in him too. And I think it convicted them. It was one thing them seeing somebody that they knew, you know, grew up in a preacher's home acting like a Christian. But it was another thing seeing this guy that used to be one of them all of a sudden acting like, acting like a Christian. And man, they started in on this guy. They gave him so much grief. And boy, he tried. And he tried, and they just pushed, and they pushed. He got persecuted, and you know what? He he failed. He lost his testimony. He lost his cool a few times. I mean, it, it was. I felt bad for him. I tried to encourage him, but man, the devil wasn't going to let up on this guy. And the devil had plenty of disciples there at that factory. And he he gave up. Many people think that getting saved means all their, all their problems are going to be solved. No, there's going to be folks that are going to put you to the test. They're going to challenge you. They're all oh, you're just a goody two shoes now. And any little thing you do wrong, they're going to jump all over your case about it. Oh, well, what kind of Christian are you doing stuff like that? Well, you're not much of a Christian, and they will. You know, you're just a hypocrite. You know, at least I'm rotten and I admit it. You know, you're rotten and trying to pretend you're being good. We're not trying to pretend we're good. We know we're rotten. We're just trying to be good. And guess what? It's not always easy. I know I grew up in a preacher's home and I've been in church all my life, but it's not always easy doing right. I'd rather punch people in the nose and walk away most of the time. But you can't always do that. A lot of times it would be easier to be dishonest. And sometimes folks, when they, they get saved, they hear the Word, they get excited before that persecution comes and they're long gone. And that's one of the reasons we need church so much. That's one of the reasons when folks come and they give their heart to Christ, well, we need to pray for those people. We need to be there for them. We need to comfort them, encourage them. Because the devil's going to come after them. And they might be in stony ground. They might be living in a family that's not going to be supportive of them. They might not, they might not have that. There are many people on that stony ground. And we, know, we want to help them. Then also in verse 22, we see... He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Now notice here, it says he becometh unfruitful. It said, none of us, only Jesus knows who gets saved and who doesn't get saved. I hope I'm not coming across as saying who's gotten saved and who's not gotten saved. Okay, I can't know that. Only Jesus Christ can, but we can see we do see some of these things happen, and sometimes people they give their heart to Christ, 
They call on God for salvation. I believe they get saved, but they get so they get caught up in the cares of this world. Maybe their job it gets them out of church. Maybe other problems in their life. They get maybe just they're under a lot of stress. Maybe they're having family problems, whatever, and it just they get away from God. They back off. They quit reading their Bible. They quit praying. They quit going to church. They're not doing any of the things that they're supposed to do. And the Bible says that the, those thorns it chokes them, and they become unfruitful. The truth is, the ultimate goal of planting a seed is that it's going to produce more than what you planted. Imagine if you took a grain of corn and you planted it and you did all that work and you only got back one grain of corn. Well, why even put in the work? But they go and they put that little seed of corn there because they know it's going to, there's going to be a stalk with probably three ears of corn with maybe several hundred on each of those. Multiplication. That's what it's all about. When we get saved, one of the reasons that God doesn't just say, boom, alright, go to heaven right now, is He needs us here on this earth to produce some fruit. To go and to tell other people about Christ. So more people can be saved, but many times people get so caught up with the things of this world, those thorns are in that thorny ground. It chokes them. And they become unfruitful. They don't, they don't produce anything. Some already have. Some people already have other gods in their life. Maybe gods of entertainment. We talked about a lot of this this morning in Sunday school. Possessions, position. Maybe it's a position, and they're going. They're going after other things in life. Jesus Christ is not first in their life. They've got. They've got too much else going on. I'm too busy for church. I'm too busy for the things of God. I'm too busy to tell other people about Jesus. I'm just. I'm too busy for that. And here's the problem. Then, when you get caught up in those things, when you let those things control you, you're not going to produce any more fruit. And that's a great thing about when you win somebody to Christ. One of the most exciting things in the world is to tell somebody about Jesus, and you see them get saved. That person's going to heaven. But then that person goes and they tell other people about Christ. And you see the way it's supposed to spread out. And multiply. And that's why we believe in church planting. It's, you know, Lighthouse Baptist Church is a great church, but you know what? It wasn't really reaching people over here. It's too far away. And it's exciting because they, you know, they were willing to help start another church over here. And so now instead of one church, there's, there's two. And that's the way it's supposed to be. And hopefully someday we can help start another church in another area. And we will have part in seeing those souls get saved. And the truth is, that's how it is with all of us. It was somebody that told me about salvation. It was my my parents told me about salvation. I, they were the ones that led me to the Lord. On it will be, see, this is 2013, so I think 27 years ago, Tuesday, April 30th, 1986. If my math is good, they told me about Christ. My dad was led to the Lord by uh, Pastor Rudolph Knoll from I believe Granite City. I've heard him talk about it a lot. Who that guy was led to the Lord by, I have no idea. But you, know, you can trace it back if you could. You can go all the way back to Jesus. And that's the way it works. It, it, it spreads out like that. And we've got, and it, we need to be fruitful, but many people aren't. There's sometimes you're going to see people, they'll, they'll pray, they'll ask Jesus to come in their heart, but you might not ever see any fruit. And it's discouraging, but it is part of what we do when we sow. Some people they have gods of family, some people are serving gods of religion. And that that's not right either. God's of friendships. Matthew chapter ten, verse thirty-four. Jesus makes a statement that sounds a little harsh, 
For He said, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Well, that's just normal there. but uh, And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Right here we see this path. It sounds pretty scary, but what Jesus is trying to say, He's not telling you you have to hate your parents. He's not telling you you have to go and fight with them and have problems. What He's saying here is I am supposed to be the most important. I am supposed to be number one. And if you love them more than you love Me, you're not worthy of Me. And you know what the truth is? Many people, because of their family, they won't serve God. They get saved. They receive Christ as their Savior. They start going to church. They get criticized by their family. They get criticized by their friends. And they quit serving God. Listen, that's loving them more than you love God. You need, if, and the truth is, if you really love your family like you should, you're going to want to follow God because then you're going to be much more likely to help them out and make a difference in their life. If you're living like the devil, you're going to have a real tough time leading them to the Lord. And you know what? Sometimes it might cause some division. It might cause some problems. And that's obviously not the goal, but it may happen... But we need to realize our number one goal is to serve God. Many people, they just they can't make that decision. They're among the thorns and the thorns choke them and they become unfruitful. I believe they're saved. There's going to be many that stand before God someday with no fruit, with nothing to show for their life. We don't want that to be us. But some, they're just so controlled by sin, they have trouble getting away from it. Some people are bound by alcohol or drugs. Maybe immoral behavior. They are so caught up in sin. I mean, they are just. I mean, they are in so deep. They give their they give their heart to Christ, and listen. Those things don't always just leave you alone after that. The temptations are still there. The people are still there to tempt you. I mean, they're 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 calling for you, and it's difficult. And they let those things just choke the spiritual life out of them where they never do anything for God. They go right back to the drink and they go right back to the drugs. They go right back to living those wicked lifestyles and they never do anything for God. You're going to see that. It's going to happen. It's been going on since the time of Christ. But you know what? While there's the wayside, the stony places, the thorns where not always very much happens, there is that good ground out there. The Bible says in verse 23, "...but he that receives seed into the good ground..." As he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Those who hear the word, they understand it, they receive it, and they go on and they produce more fruit. They multiply. That's those on the ground. What is the good ground? How do you tell somebody's in the good ground? Are they producing more fruit? Are they are they leading more people to Christ? Are there more Christians because of that person? That's the one in the good ground. That ultimately is the goal. There are the there are ones who they hear the word of God and they go on and they produce more. I can think of many examples of people I've seen where they got saved and they just went and several of the people in their family 
got saved. And maybe a lot, a lot of their friends. And then there's been others I've known that they got saved, but they couldn't get any of the family in. Maybe the family was on the wayside or the stony ground. I don't, I don't know. We don't always know. But boy, it's exciting when you see that multiplying. And if a single seed, like I said, if they had only produced another single seed, pretty soon we wouldn't have any more. And pretty soon it would be gone. The reason for planting seed is so it will multiply itself. And the good ground, it's ground that's not wore down or with stones and thorns. And that's why we need to do what we can to keep those things out of our lives, especially within our own families. So we can go on and produce the seed. Uh, so we can produce seed that will produce more seed. That's why there's, there's just a lot of junk I don't want in my house. Why a lot of things, places I don't want my family to go. I don't want them getting caught up in those things. That stuff, I don't want my kids being raised on the wayside. I don't want them being raised among the stones and among the thorns. I want to keep them on the good ground so what I've tried to build in our family won't just stop with us, but it'll go on to the next family. I, I, I love my family. I enjoy my kids to death. I enjoy my wife. And I want them to, I want my kids to have the same thing. I love my church. I want them to have the same kind of church. It's always broke my heart when I when I hear about people they're going to move somewhere and you go and you try to find out about church in there and there's just there's nothing. There's nothing that's alive, nothing that's doing anything for God. I mean that that breaks my heart. We, that's why we need to be producing more because there's more and more of those places out there that are just spiritually dead. More and more places in the world out there like that. We need there to be more good ground and we've got to keep that stuff out. That's why we talked some about that last week. There's not a whole lot of good ground left. And that's why we've got to keep on. That's why we're going to preach against sin. We're going to encourage God's people to be separated from sin. There needs to be a place where people can grow and produce fruit. And it's up to us to show them how it's done. We've got to do that. If everybody in this church is living just like the rest of the world, I mean, how are we going to make a difference. They're just going to have the same problems. We've got to show folks there is an alternative. There is good ground out there. And we've got to, we've got to get them there. Sometimes there's some plants you got to take them completely transplant them. You've got to dig them up and move them somewhere else in better ground. So there's just nothing's going to happen there. Nothing's going to grow there. And that's what we've we've got to do that with people. That's why we've got to get them in the house of God. That's why we've got to encourage them to keep some of the garbage out of their life. I mean, good luck trying you know trying to win somebody to Christ that's a drunk. It's just boy, I remember one time we my dad and I we were at this park and this drunk approached us. This this guy he was he was a lawyer actually. He just lost a case and he was drunk. He was drooling. I mean, just disgusting. And I remember my dad was talking a little and he witnessed to him a little bit. And this guy was so down, he was so drunk. And I remember my dad, he, after we left, he told me, he was like, you know, I could have easily got that guy to say a prayer, a salvation prayer. I could have easily done that. But he said, honestly, I don't even know if he would have remembered it. And I definitely don't think he would have even meant it. He was, so he was, he didn't know what was, he didn't know half of what was going on. And that's a lot of times just how people are out there. They're so consumed by all the garbage out there. They're not hearing anything. And don't let it stop you from sowing. This sower, he went to sow. He sowed all over. Anywhere he could, he sowed those seeds. And he thanked God for the ones that produced fruit. Some didn't. 
And you know what? That's what we need to do as a church. We need it. We don't know necessarily. We can't necessarily look and know what all is going on in people's life. There's who's ready to be saved and who's not. And that's why we just sow wherever we can. We witness to whoever we can. And we get excited when those ones receive Christ. And we can sing that song, Bringing in the Sheaves. We can get excited about that. And it is a joy when that happens. But when it doesn't happen, don't get discouraged. It's not because you're a bad farmer or a bad Christian. Listen, some some seeds are just, there's some ground that's not ready to produce fruit. And we just need to do what we can to find that ground that is ready and win whoever we can to Christ. So, with that, let's all stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.